Welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast, the Thinking Spatially podcast series where we think spatially across space and across time about key issues on our planet. Greetings, Joseph Kursky here with you to talk about Leif Erikson landing in the New World in 1001. Leif Erikson landing in the New World in 1001. Over the past 1,000 years, few events compared to the magnitude of the impact of the arrival of the Europeans to North and South America. Global trade, food, language, customs, and relations with and conditions of native North American peoples, and much more, even down to the way people thought about the world and their place in it, would never be the same. The arrival and exploration of these early explorers, such as Christopher Columbus, John Cabot, Amerigo Vespucci, Vasco de Gama, Vasco de Balboa, Ponce de Leon, Hernando Cortes, Verrazano, Cabeza de Vaca, Francisco Pizarro, Jacques Cartier, Hernando de Soto, and Coronado are all well documented. But 500 years before any of these explorers, Leif Erikson is regarded by most to have been the first European to set foot on the North American continent. Erikson, born in the late 970s AD, had exploration in his blood. First, although born in Iceland, he was rooted in the culture and era of the Vikings, a seafaring people who had been, since at least the 8th century CE or AD, exploring a vast area of the planet with their longships. These longships were faster and lighter than anything any other people had built at the time, allowing them to sail through open ocean but also through rivers and inlets, owing to their shallow draft. This permitted them to sail up to coastal towns that were easily attacked and pillaged. After attacking a monastery in 793 CE, the reputation of the Vikings as fierce warriors grew, and they had conquered nearly all of England by the 9th century. The territory that they influenced ranged from Greenland and Iceland to Russia and south to the Mediterranean and the Middle East. Their ferocity was feared but also respected. Some Slavic and Byzantine officials hired them as security guards, for example. Their ferocity overshadowed the contributions that they made, however, including the trading they did throughout Europe and the Middle East. They established trading towns as far away as the Volga River in Russia and closer to home, Dublin, Ireland. Dublin and other towns flourished to the present day. Second, Erikson, as the name implies, was the son of Eric, in this case, Eric the Red. Eric the Red was an explorer as well. He had founded the first Norse colonies in Greenland, naming it in a brilliant moment of medieval marketing, thinking that the name would attract settlers. Greenland, hey, sounds good, despite being nearly almost entirely covered with ice. According to an interpretation of two Viking sagas, Erikson had heard about merchant Bjarni, B-J-A-R-N-I, Haralfsson's sighting of North America in 986. Erikson and his crew traveled from Greenland to Norway, where Erikson converted to Christianity. Sometime after this, around 1001 CD or AD, he may have been blown off course on the return to Greenland, all the way to North America, on a trip to introduce Christianity to Greenland. No matter how exactly the expedition took place, Erikson and a crew of 35 or so landed first at a place he named Helluland, 
H-E-L-L-U-L-A-N-D, the land of flat stone. This is thought to be located on the southern end of Baffin Island. From there, they traveled south to a place he named Markland, or Forest Land, considered to be somewhere on the coast of Labrador. Next, they landed on an unnamed island, possibly Belle Isle in the Strait of Belle Isle, a body of water that separates Labrador from the island of Newfoundland. Apparently, there was dew on the grass, and the first thing they did was to get some of it on their hands and put it to their lips, and to them it seemed like the sweetest thing they'd ever tasted. Fresh water after days at sea must have indeed seemed almost miraculous. Erickson and his crew reached a place they called Vinland, V-I-N-L-A-N-D, the land of the vine, or possibly pasture land, around the fall of 1001. They landed at the mouth of a river and followed the river upstream to a lake. This was only geographical, the only de- geographical description given of Vinland. The expedition spent the winter in Vinland and built several dwellings there, which they named Leifsbudir, Leif's Booths. They then returned to Greenland in the spring of 1002 with a supply of timber and many grapes. His expedition encouraged others to make the journey. His brother Thorvald's expedition resulted in the first killings of native people in North America by European explorers, and was in turn killed by native people and thus has the distinction of being the first European to die and be buried in North America. On one trip where, when Ericsson returned to Greenland, he rescued an Icelandic castaway and his crew, whereupon he earned the nickname Leif the Lucky. Considering the perils of northern oceanic seafaring, this seems fitting. His brother wasn't so lucky. While Leif Erikson and the subsequent explorations by the Vikings did not leave a lasting physical impact on the landscape as the harbinger of things to come, their landing was a revolutionary moment. In the shadow of the 16th century explorers that I named earlier, and in part because less was known about the Vikings than later explorers, it took literally hundreds of years before the stories of Erikson's discoveries to become known and accepted. However, once these stories became known, they had an effect on the identity and self-perception on immigrants to the USA and Canada from Scandinavia. Statues on the landscape began to appear, and commemorations began to occur. Because most of the immigrants from Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Denmark came to the north-central region of the USA and Canada, these statues and events were focused on that region, such as a statue on the grounds of the Minnesota State Capitol in St. Paul in 1925, and a Leif Erikson Day in Wisconsin that began in 1929, and a national commemoration in the USA on 9 October. Archaeological work done by Norwegian explorers Helge and Annie Stein Ingstad at Lansans Alp Meadows, L apostrophe A N S E A U X Meadows in northern Newfoundland during the 1960s seemed to confirm that this was Ericsson's settlement at Lisbidur or at least a ship repair station for the settlement. While none of the Viking North America settlements endured, the Greenland colony endured for 400 years. Voyages to North America may have lasted for centuries. More important was that the geographic impact through narrative. Stories of these expeditions spread throughout Europe, which may have influenced the 16th century explorers. Interestingly, it was not widely recognized that Ericsson's visit predated Columbus's by 500 years until well into the 20th century. 
Despite the fact that their settlements did not endure, the impact of the Vikings in Europe was great. It was far greater than the impact of their settlement in and voyages to North America. They founded Normandy, for example, in 911, and ran it as a virtually independent state. From there, they invaded England in the famous Battle of Hastings in 1066. Other influences were even more enduring. Viking mythology has influenced writing to the present time. Who hasn't heard of Valhalla, Valkyries, Odin, or Thor? Because of their contact with the Anglo-Saxons in England and with the French in France, many names of people, features on the landscape, and food to the present day can be traced to Viking origin. These include the suffixes, hyphen by, hyphen thorpe, hyphen tote, T-O-T, and hyphen Londe, L-O-N-D-E. Furthermore, law and democracy in Europe was influenced by the Vikings, which was in Viking society despite their ferocity. The Viking Althing, A-L-T-H-I-N-G, is believed to be the first national assembly in Europe. The Althing had the power of a parliament. It could make laws and also hold court. Furthermore, Norse women had a greater degree of equality than in other cultures at the time. Finally, the opening up of trade routes due to the Vikings' influence was to dramatically change the cultural geography of the entire world in the centuries to come, long after the Viking era of dominance ended. And that, my friends, is a little bit about Leif Erikson landing in the New World in 1001 and the impact of Erikson and the Vikings. It's all about geography. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.